0: the Dateline New Haven and WNHHFM. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Well, the biotech biofarm revolution is ticking in New Haven, and though you don't always notice it when you read the headlines, there are actually human beings who go into those buildings. Human beings who are discovering new drugs, testing them out, and human beings who are going to be bringing them to market and saving some people's lives. One of them is in the, office, in the studio with us today. Ron Peck is the chief medical officer of Venice, one of the fastest growing companies in New Haven. And he has news, two sets of news for us today about drugs they're producing. And we're also being uh, joined by Randy Teal, who's the senior vice president of corporate development, just to help us get the big picture about Arvinas. We have him once or twice a year to help us just remember that every day while we have our other news we talk about, a revolution is happening in our economy Gentlemen, thanks for coming in, and it's so nice to have you in the studio. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Paul. And uh, not a problem now, but I am going to ask you to get close to the mic uh, so you can speak almost like you're almost touching it. So, Ron, you've been working on a drug that just got fast-tracked by the Food and Drug Administration. That means that um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have a shorter time period, if I believe, that you're going to be able to produce this new drug that is going to help uh, breast cancer patients. Am I correct?
1: Yes, it's, uh, it's called Fast-Track Designation. It's a... It's a mechanism that the FDA has, and um, you have to apply for it. You submit uh, your available data, the medical need, uh, and your plans. And uh, in this case, uh, the reason why they gave fast-track designation was that they recognized that this therapy uh, could um, offer an advantage over existing treatments uh, for uh, patients with advanced metastatic breast cancer. So it's really recognizing the potential of the therapy in this unmet medical need setting.
0: The drug is called, I'm going to try it, then you can just correct me. I know it's a hard G. Vepdegastrin.
1: Vepdegastrin, exactly. Vep, oh, ve- deg-
0: ve- one more time.
1: Vepdegastrin.
0: Degastrin, okay, the accent is deg. So that's a, that's a long title for a drug that treats metastatic cancer, right?
1: That's right. It's uh, specifically, uh, in this case, for breast cancer because it, it targets the estrogen receptor, which is um, how, uh, in many cases, breast cancer grows, is that it, it um, will uh, pick up estrogen that's circulating in the body and it is, um, acts as kind of fuel for the cancer. So what this drug does is it actually directly um, degrades the protein The estrogen receptor protein and removes it from the cancer cell, Uh, and it works uh, by a unique mechanism uh, that is um, consistent with the platform that we're developing. So we're developing a a platform of therapies that all work by the same mechanism, and they're engineered to hit a particular.
0: Hey, see, I'm a dummy, so I I, don't do the work you do. So trying to understand plain English, when I hear platform and system, yep, that doesn't sound to me like a pill.
1: Well, it, it's a it's a pill. What, what what When we say platform, it means that we have this uh, you know the fancy term is proprietary um, uh, approach where we design drugs a certain way, and what they're designed to do is to hijack the cell's own machinery for getting rid of proteins, either a, overabundant proteins, abnormal proteins. It's natural part of the cell's Regular, and is it just by activity. taking the
0: pillows a part of the way because when you're having breast cancer, I mean unfortunately someone very close to me right now is getting the radiation, has breast cancer. Um, sometimes you have chemotherapy, sometimes you have radiation. Is this tied into that at all or is exactly. this instead?
1: So so it's been known since the let's say since the sixties and seventies that drugs that work against estrogen can also be effective as an alternative to chemotherapy radiation.
0: So is this an alternative to that?
1: exactly so there's drugs um, probably the first one that really uh, was used on a um,
0: a routine basis is a drug
1: called tamoxifen and tamoxifen has been used for breast cancer for since the mid 1970s Um, what that does is it blocks the effect of estrogen on the receptor but it has its limitations Um, and so over the last um, decades there have been other drugs that are trying to improve upon tamoxifen and so um we have this particular a drug that again works to hijack the cell zone machinery to get rid of proteins and just goes in directly and takes the protein out which is very different than what tamoxifen does um and so, so this the,
0: approves if i come this plain english is right this improves on drugs that are used as an alternative chemotherapy and radiation to treat breast cancer exactly but metastatic breast cancer does that mean it's more advanced
1: yeah so metastatic breast cancer means that um, it's essentially stage four Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and that means it it presented that way and when stage four means that it's spread beyond the breast it's gone to um, Mm. oftentimes the bone um, uh, to liver lung other other locations Um, and, uh, so among the choices for patients, and this is specific for patients who, you know, have estrogen receptor on the tumor. And that happens to be as many as 80% of all metastatic cancer, stage four cancer will have their estrogen receptor. So this is a therapy, an investigational therapy now that could potentially impact a, a large number of patients, you know, one out of eight women are diagnosed with. Uh, breast cancer and 80 percent of those breast cancers um are er estrogen receptor positive so this could really work and uh drugs that um are currently used to hit the receptor um are out there but this has the promise of being potentially better than the existing drugs
0: and again some people still have to get radiation chemotherapy obviously because my sister would so like that uh when won't they have to?
1: Um, m- meaning, in the. In, in, if this works. If like, this works. Um, those modalities are still going to be part of the, the standard treatment for breast cancer. But, so I'll give you an example. You have a patient um, who will, unfortunately, they've, you know, they have their cancer come back, it shows up somewhere else, and you do a test on the tumor, you find out that it has. Th- this estrogen receptor, again, 80% of all tumors, uh, breast cancer. And so what is the standard of care right now is to use another drug, uh, works similar to tamoxifen. Uh, one of the drugs in this class is called Rimidex. Um, and what that does is it reduces the production of estrogen, estrogen. And that is the standard of care for a brand new patient a patient just diagnosed with stage four that drug is now standardly combined with another drug which doesn't hit the estrogen receptor but works in conjunction with the estrogen receptor drug um uh, and um so what the future could hold if our breast cancer drug gets approved is that um it, you know if the program is uh, as successful as we hope that instead of going for this um, Arimidex drug, that patients would be receiving um, the Arvinas drug in combination with this
0: other uh, targeted therapy. Targeted therapy meaning radiation or chemo? Uh, w- no, it's a, it's a class of drugs. Well, if you- Okay, in combination. It's just gonna improve the drugs you're getting. What happens as a result? Does it make it more likely? You can, you can cure it or put it in remission? Or does it mean you're not going to need as much of the other kind of invasive? How is the?
1: Yeah, what it will do is it will prolong the period of time that the patient's tumor has not progressed, mm-hmm. uh, which could be quite substantial based on how the, the program is designed, uh, and even in the best case, it could actually prolong life. Not just the, how it doesn't just um, shrink tumors and make it uh, and extend the period of time before the cancer progresses but it could actually improve survival, and also the, um, for uh, for a drug like the Orvinas drug, we also have interest to move it into earlier patients as well, and that's when it can be part of a curative therapy.
0: So so at this point, the first stage it succeeds isn't curative, it's prolonging life. That's exactly right. And eventually it might even cure. Yes. All right, we're talking about a new drug that's been fast-tracked for testing and approval by the FDA being developed right here in new haven at our venice which is in science park and soon to also be at 101 college street and ron peck the chief medical officer of venice is in here along with randy teal the senior vice president so metastatic breast cancer breast cancer we've the way we've talked about breast cancer I just in the last bunch of decades is we talk a lot more about it than we used to don't we there's a lot more efforts at early detection if i'm not mistaken exactly a lot more people know people who have actually survived it correct
1: yes well it's still a highly treatable and in me- most cases a curable type of cancer um, but there are still patients who recur even as they present so most patients actually and me get this closer most patients will present with early stage disease meaning that it's not metastatic and by and large the great majority of those patients do quite well uh, my own my own wife is one of these patients, and she was treated. It's amazing.
0: Like everybody has someone in the family. We all do. Yeah. Our congressman talks a lot about her own survival of it, and that was decades ago. It, She's it, going strong in her 80s.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the great news is that there's been tremendous progress in the treatment of the disease, but there still is need for better treatments. I mean, and until- that's what
0: you're working on. So the FDA decided that it was there's so much promise because you were telling me something I didn't know about fast track. I knew. We fast track, for instance, the COVID vaccine because there was such an immediate need to save lives. Mm-hmm. Am I correct in what I heard earlier that the reason FDA might be able to let you fast track it is they feel there's so much promise that soon you'll be able to help a lot of people's lives that it's worth making it move faster, the process?
1: Yes, exactly.
0: So what moves faster when you're going fast track? It-
1: yeah, the main thing is that it gives us greater access to the FDA. So the FDA is a very busy bureaucracy. <laughs> they have thousands of drugs that they're monitoring for approval.
0: Yeah. And no, i uh, just laughing because dealing with bureaucracies this day is like one of the hardest parts of life, right? Anytime is you want to do something, you gotta yeah. a
1: hard part of life. And there's a formality about reaching out to the FDA at different milestones of development. But what this does is it officially um, declares that um, Arvinus and we actually have a partner uh, in the development of this drug, so this is uh, Pfizer. Okay. Um, So it started as an Arvinus drug, but um, because of the promise of the drug, um, Pfizer joined forces with us, so it's a a joint um, effort, and um, so what that does, so um, it allows us greater access to the FDA. That means that we can meet with them. Uh, It helps... Uh, not just in terms of uh, uh, getting together and getting on the same page for how we develop the drug and move it along towards approval, but also once we've completed the necessary studies, um, the FDA, um, we, we have better access to them to help move the the approval. So in other words,
0: you get, you get to get a, a, clo- a place at the head of the line, yes. closer to the head of the line. It, we can You're doing as many to- tests and they have to be as peer-reviewed and everything, but you're not gonna have to wait as long for a bureaucrat to say look at what you submitted to them and decide exactly. if it's kosher that's exactly right okay got it so the how hard is it to get this like how often
1: um there uh, it's um it's it's not done uh, let's say routinely you have to submit an application that includes data and a justification for why uh this is a, you know this therapy ha- holds promise and enough um evidence to say that really that the potential is really there Mm -hmm. so um and it's done across all therapeutic areas within oncology it's it's you know the minority of cases that are given fast track for sure all right
0: now you had other news just yesterday from our venice which is a different drug we're talking about it's arv 102 and that deals with neurodegenerative diseases like parkinson's that's right as when i the age i'm at now we start to think about a lot of that kind of stuff i know people wrestling with that and um there's a lot of talk now especially the baby balls getting older right that we want people to have more cognitive ability as they age because they could do so much more and they used to and live longer. So you have a New Drug ARV 102 and yesterday you put you had your first healthy volunteer volunteer to take a dose to test it, correct? That's absolutely right. That yeah, and I, right? I
2: might jump in there, Paul, too, to say that uh, you made the point about the platform earlier right, that Ron mentioned. And the idea there is that we can use the technology to take part of a drug that binds to one particular protein and in the case of VepDegastrant, like we talked about, that is the estrogen receptor. But by the platform, we mean that we can take that same technology and then attach that piece you know, to something else. So we take, uh, as Ron said, we harness the body's own natural uh, disposal mechanism. So one end of the drug binds to estrogen receptor and VepDegastrant, and the other end binds to uh, part of the body that is involved in, in degradation. So the idea is that we can rapidly link... Another binder to another protein, in this case, LARC-2, uh, and uh, more rapidly develop a drug that could then degrade LARC-2 and be useful in Parkinson's or, or PSB or other indications. So now this is so this drug
0: being fast-tracked too, this ARV?
2: No, not, not at this point. Uh, it's much earlier in development. And, and ARV-102, uh, which degrades LARC-2... Uh, is not the next drug we have uh, in the pipeline. We have drugs for prostate cancer as well, but absolutely, the news that we reported this morning was that we've dosed the first healthy volunteer. Uh, in Does that means someone who doesn't no.
0: have the disease. It, that that's exactly but what is this the so. control person? You see how the drug affects this person, and then how it affects someone who has the disease. Yeah, so I know I'm putting this real basic level. I'm trying to see no, it's, can understand it's, yeah.
1: These are excellent questions. So, it, so unlike in cancer, where um, oftentimes, your first trials are in patients with cancer, or usually patients with far advanced cancer. You just begin to learn about side effects and dose and whatnot. Uh, in other therapeutic areas like neuroscience, um, where uh, the drugs uh, can be given at doses that really have minimal risk to, to um, volunteers, um, it's a much more efficient way to, to study the drug at the very beginning of its clinical testing. So, you take healthy volunteers, you measure blood levels, and um, you learn uh, uh, um, how the drug behaves in, in the body. And then, once you get that information, you can start to do trials in, in patients.
0: I see. So, it's not about a test to. Against it's just watching how it operates in the body, and someone's it, healthier might be safer to do it.
1: Exactly, and and I think one thing I just want to kind of um, mention is that this is a big milestone for us as a company. Um, so we have two therapeutic areas we we think, um, I, and I, I think as a as a a, a former practicing physician, uh, you, it's hard to find uh, two therapeutic areas that are as high uh, an area of need as uh, neurodegenerative diseases uh, like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's in this case, um, and cancer. So uh, that and that's a great use, that's a great place to test these, this brand new modality of therapies. Uh, So really excited that we've started our first clinical program in that setting.
0: So you talked about being an oncologist. So you've been around this work a long time. First you were actually the doctor Taking the drugs and treating patients. Yeah. And uh, so, I, you said you grew up. I think you told me in uh, South New Jersey. New Jersey, South Jersey. Yeah. Springsteen country or not or. Uh, I,
1: you, don't <laughs> get me started. I love <laughs> Bruce.
0: <laughs> okay. And then you went. in, You wanted to be a doctor. You practiced as an oncologist. Then you made a switch to research.
1: Yeah. Um, my my career um, started in the in the nineties and, um, and and. I had a mentor in research, I never really thought this was going to be a direction for me, but I I, I kind of latched onto this because it was at a time, um, you know, we talk about these targeted therapies and whatnot, but it was at a time where most patients were getting chemotherapy and there were very few real, what what are called nowadays, targeted therapies. Um, Now there are hundreds of of these treatments, uh, but back in the 90s, it was the very, very beginning and I was learning from my mentor about doing uh, first, the first trials of these drugs in human beings with cancer. So these are called phase one studies. And it was really exciting for me because, you know, chemotherapy, I really, while, you know, I obviously was committed to being a doctor of cancer patients, uh, to be part of the solution, you know, drugs that would not make you lose your
0: hair, get make you sick. I mean, you know, it sounds like one of those necessary ordeals, chemotherapy that, it's just wrenching but it puts people through
1: well it's i mean it's still you know it still works for a, a number of diseases i know people need
0: to have it it's good we have it it it's, just seems but but awful. there's
1: been i mean but but being able to, to to be part of you know better treatments that are better tolerated that be can can be taken by mouth that really was exciting to me and
0: um, so you were participating you were working with someone who was doing a trial while you were still an oncologist yeah something happened that a light bulb went off and you said i want to switch to the other side to create the solution for the doctors
1: exactly why
0: did that happen one day was a light bulb moment was it working on that project (laughs) someone said hey you know you can come over to um bristol myers wherever they took Uh, it
1: yeah the truth truth be told i was at university of virginia as a as a an oncologist and um uh, my mentor that was the reason why I went down to University of Virginia told me that he was taking a job elsewhere he was really sorry to say that and uh, and he was the main reason I went down there and I, I got a call from the only at that time the only uh, oncology company I had ever heard of um, which was Bristol Myers because I used a lot of the chemotherapy drugs on my patients and uh, I also had a strong interest in drug what's called drug development i had spent some time at the fda in my training in washington dc and i just love the idea of coming in with better therapies that would make patients live longer things that were not chemotherapy and so i I would say 20 almost 25 years later it was the absolute right choice i've been very fortunate to worked on a a number of things and i actually you know in every Every opportunity I've had has been better than the prior one and our Venice has been a a great So what's the day like?
0: So in the old days you'd talk to patients in an office, you'd I assume operate, right? And now you walk into a lab when you go to work or is it an office?
1: Uh for for at Arvinus. Um so I have a a team, it's probably it's close to about fifty five people. And we cover a number of different areas. One are the physicians and what are called clinical scientists that are involved with designing the studies and reporting out the studies and working with all the doctors that we contract with across the world. And then we have a group that are called Medical Affairs that are looking at how we can um, uh, report the results to the public and how we can uh, engage investigators to partner with us on different things. Um, and then I have a group that are called uh, pharmacovigilance, which is the the group that is monitoring the safety of the drugs. So th- this is not lab work. This is all about designing trials and partnering with them and collaborating with investigators. And I imagine
0: so. In your doctor, it, almost every day you have the high or the low of like I just helped somebody out, like I physically did it with my hands or my advice, or this didn't work out, and I, you know I gave yeah. my best. It is how does the satisfaction come in this? Obviously, satisfaction the first dose yesterday. You got the FDA fast-track someone showed us brings you in a study that works how does that work psychologically uh, in terms of the reward system in your brain
1: well I I'll, I'll tell two stories the, the the first time I worked on a drug that happened to be the first time I worked on a drug that was approved was probably about it was about in t- 2007 happened to be in breast cancer and um, and the way that these re, these registrational studies work meaning that this phase 3 the studies that get a drug approved is you basically, it's under lock and key, and finally the results were poured out four years after you start the study. And to see that we had these results in a setting where there were no available therapies was about as gratifying an experience that I've mm. ever seen, because I knew at that moment, on this one day, that this would be uh, available to patients, and that was the case. I guess that
0: because in so many professions, you have the immediate work of helping one person at a yeah. time, and you see the impact whereas when you're affecting so many millions of people you know yeah. i like actually look at them in the face every day and watching it well, happen. You,
1: yeah. uh, i've had experiences where i've got to meet patients uh that have been on treatments that have been uh that have worked on i will i will tell you a second story though relative to our venice is um it was about um it was about a, a year and a half ago uh we haven't talked about our prostate cancer program and we have a, a drug that is positioned to start the last phase of testing and a year and a half ago when it was what in what's called phase one. So the early, the first testing, um, we got a, um, uh, someone on my team got a, a, um, an email from a doctor it's in San Diego that was participating in our study with, uh, pictures and movies of the ocean from a, a, a fishing boat and it didn't show the patient we're not allowed to know the patients but the message was this is the best that this patient has felt This is a patient with far advanced prostate cancer he's failed Uh, all the treatments that are standard have already been used on him and his cancer continues to grow and this guy finally felt good enough his pain was reduced that he could get on his bike so I had a picture of his bike that was sent to us and a movie of him a movie of dolphins swimming next to a fishing boat that he was on. So yes, it wasn't our patient. We would not be able to pick him out of a lineup. But that was direct gratification for us.
0: We're talking about our venus. Some big uh, advances they've had just in the last couple of days. With the drugs they're developing in New Haven. We've got Ron Peck, chief medical officer here on Dateline New Haven. Randy Teal, the senior vice president of corporate development. So Randy, just to remind our listeners, you're in the eleventh year of venus, right? Yes,
2: that's right. We were founded in 2013,
0: in it, at Science Park in New Haven. That's right.
2: Spun out Craig of Yale. Craig was Cruz was, was the yeah. original founder. That's right. And uh, now you got um, how many employees? Not quite 450. So we've grown quite a bit in the past few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, you know, as we've talked about with the platform that we have, we've developed and, and researched a number of drugs that are now all still in clinical trials. Right. Uh, we don't have anything yet approved. Uh, important to note that as well. Uh, but as we've built out, you know Ron's team that is running and designing clinical trials, uh, we continue to research and discover new drugs like ARV-102 that we just announced started in trials uh, in the past week or so, and an, a number of more coming. So right now at our stage, we we are looking ahead uh, towards potential, you know, top line or you know first pivotal stage data from VEDACIST that we talked about by the end of the year, and at that point we'll be looking ahead, uh, hopefully, to submitting the first new drug ap- application. And building out a commercial team to help uh, get this drug to patients if it's uh, if it's successful and approved. And, so,
0: you're, and you're going to be moving to three floors at 101 call Street once that tower is finished. You're saying next year?
2: That's right. Uh, early 25 is what we've said for the first folks to move in there.
0: And, and you've raised up to $2 billion so far.
2: Yeah, we've been very successful in that uh, over the years through both. Uh, capital raising traditionally, but also through partnerships. Uh, Ron mentioned one of the biggest partnerships that we have, which is with Pfizer on the breast cancer Yeah, program. when are they
0: your competitors and when are they your partners, these other companies?
2: Uh, well, they are certainly our, uh, are certainly our partners in Vepdigestrant for breast cancer, no doubt, yeah. which is which is fantastic. Because obviously Pfizer has uh, you know, decades of experience in breast cancer that we as a company don't have. Although, obviously, many folks like Ron have a lot of experience in there, but not as a company. hmm uh, but yeah, absolutely. Um, we've mentioned a couple other companies that you know that could someday, if we have an approved product, be competitors as well. But I mean, I think uh, in biotech and pharma, probably the more important concept that we all keep in mind is that we're all, in general, on the same team anyway. We're all trying to make uh, drugs that work better for patients, and as you've talked about, delay you know delay treatments that we, that patients would rather not have. Uh, so.
0: And we, we talked before we went on air about you're part of an evolving sector in New Haven. That's really happening after decades of trying. Besides 100, 101 College and Science Park and 300 George Street, there's a new tower being built uh, at uh, the Old Coliseum site. There's probably going to be another one near 100, 101 College, right at the Old College Plaza. So it's really happening. How do you, how do you feel as part of that? Do you meet people? Like Do you have a, a mixer at 5 p.m. on Thursday with people at the other companies? Do you... Is there a formal, informal way where you try to meet each other and share ideas? And
2: You know, there, there is some of that. Uh, absolutely, you know, more formal mechanisms um, through BioCT <laughs> and other organizations like that. But there's also a lot of informal. Right? So I've been fortunate to be part of now uh, a second biotech company here in New Haven. I was at Alexion prior to Arvinas. So, you know, fun for me, to get to move into one one Did they steal college.
0: you at a, at a happy hour?
2: Ah uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, but now, so now I get to move for the second time in my life to College Street. So that's great. Uh, that's fun. Uh, but informally, you know, there's there's pretty tight connectivity. Uh, there's plenty of people at our Venice who used to be at Alexion or used to be at oh. BMS or somewhere else. So okay. there's a lot of connectivity between all the companies for sure. Where do you eat lunch at Science Park?
1: Uh, where do we we eat lunch? We don't have a cafeteria.
2: We have DJs in the parking lot, mm-hmm. food truck in the parking lot's been there for. As long as I've been here, which is six years. so that Ricky was my D's most common. and Fussy Ricky Coffee. D's is there, Fussy Coffee's there. But we could always use more if anybody else would like to move in down there. We would I always wonder inc- what we point you get the
0: more. You got the two 201 Munson Street, you know, this big housing development happening there, and they're building all those apartments. I always wonder, because that's the other thing when they start building Science Park, at what point is there spillover, right? Yeah. And uh, at what point when you build all these towers downtown, will there be a lot more businesses that are supporting? i you know? was curious from that company development point of I, I view what the spin-over think, point is. I think it's a
1: great opportunity. As we talked about before, I had to do a long-distance commute in Boston. It's hard not to work in Boston if you're in this field because it's such a hub. And uh, I had to be on the mass turnpike uh, a few times a week and being bumper-to-bumper and not to mention the high price of rent and everything like that Uh, so the joke was that my revenge was when i came back to connecticut which is where i live that i would hold revenge and and hire people from connecticut i can tell you that i mean from uh, boston so i can tell you that we have a lot of folks who who work with us from boston
0: well good work guys on getting just drugs to help people struggling with brain cancer with parkinson's with the next next this prostate cancer you got uh web deg- deg- degustrant fast tracked you got arv 102 now with human clinical trials anything else next we should mention
2: well it's uh, like i mentioned it's going to be a Correct. big year for us we've got the first pivotal data coming up so that's to watch for sure but uh it's been great uh being on your show paul thank you very much
0: yeah, it's really nice yeah. to, it was really nice to talk to you ron yeah. peck randy teal from our venice one of the companies changing the face of new haven trying to save lives and give people jobs in the process thanks to Doreen and Nora filling in for station manager Harry and doing a great job thanks for listening to us on Dateline New Haven we're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I wish I knew how it would feel to be free from the group CD "A Plea for Peace this is Paul Bass inviting you to fly free with us all day and all night long at WNHH New Haven's home for community radio